0: Welcome to the Display the Gospel podcast, a place where we will explore topics related to the Christian life in order to demonstrate and declare the gospel as followers of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Well, thank you for tuning in today. We are in uh, another episode of our Gospel-Centered Stewardship series. And so we have Ross with me again this morning. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, Ross, and hanging out. Um, I'm looking forward to our conversation today, but before we get started, um, if you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, I want to give you a quick definition to help you uh, help us define the terms um, so that we know what we're talking about when we use the word stewardship. Uh, we're not just talking about money. Here's our working definition for stewardship, um, which is this. Uh, stewardship is the belief that everything belongs to God because God is sovereign over all things. Therefore, stewardship begins as we recognize God as exercising divine ownership over everything. And so, stewardship is this reality that God owns everything, yet, as his people, he has entrusted to us things that he owns. And so, we are the owners. God, oh, I just totally messed that up. We are the managers. God is the owner. Uh, <laughs> so, God is the owner. We are the managers. And so being entrusted uh, with these responsibilities, our time, and today we're going to talk about being entrusted with our talents or our abilities, our spiritual gifts, the, the things that God has, has made us unique, and all of us have unique talents, abilities, passions, spiritual gifts, and things like that. And so that's going to be our topic for today, and our hope is that we can help uh, you and help us think through how does the gospel apply to the use of our talents. So... Ross, let's just jump right in, man. How does the gospel relate to our spiritual gifts and our talents and our abilities?
1: Sure, Brett. I mean, it's been uh, such a blessing going through this journey with you around looking at our stewardship of what God has entrusted us with. I was just in um, 1 Corinthians 4, and, and Paul opens with, this is how one should regard us. So this is kind of how people ought to see us. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Mm -hmm. Um, So, what Paul's doing there is he's saying who we are and then then defining what that ought to look like in that role. And so, as we've been going through this series and looking at these different ways um, that we can be stewards of what the Lord has entrusted us with, um, I, I found it encouraging. Um, today, we're going to look at talents, and, and I think for me, there can be a lot of uh, insecurity or uh, narcissism around that. And so for me, there's just been a freeing sense, but also a sense of, hey, this isn't something where uh, the Lord has called me uh, to just hold on to something uh, out of fear, but yeah. you know, be faithful with it. Um, I think what might be useful is if, if maybe you could help us try to organize these thoughts around talents uh, or, or gifts into some sort of a structure that we can work off of. So um, maybe I'm going to punt it back to you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think you know, one of the ways that we can seek to understand a holistic viewpoint of how we are to be stewarding all that God's given us, whether we're talking about time or talent, our physical body, our money. I think the, the three pillars, if you will, that I'm going to suggest today and hopefully the rest of the episodes as well, I think these three apply universally to the things that God's given us that we need to be entrusted, that we are entrusted with, and that we should hopefully steward in a way um, that is worthy of the gospel. So the three things are this, uh, to use your, anything you've been entrusted with in order to do three things. One, bring honor and glory to God. Um, so that comes from 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one: that that whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so hopefully everything that we do, ultimately our life is not about us, it's about Him. And it's about bringing Him glory, him praise him the recognition uh, him he has been the one working through uh, all time in history for creation, redemption uh, restoration future coming I mean all of it's really centered around him so number one bring honor and glory to God second use whatever you've been entrusted with to edify the church and that edify just means encourage or build up or serve and be a blessing to the church and that means the the people of God Christians believers so, bring honor and glory to God, number one. Number two, edify the church. And number three, engage the lost and be engaged in the Great Commission. Um, And so maybe we'll kind of go back and unpack a couple of those a little bit. But uh, in terms of our talents, I'll just kick us off on the second one. So everything should be bringing honor and glory to God. I think that's a relevant example, kind of like you just read that passage as well. So the second one, Um, how do we use our talents in a way that we actually edify the church? Um, And we see in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so Peter's trying to tell the people that he's writing to that if you have a gift and you're good at something and you have a talent or an ability or whatever it might be, he says, use that to serve other people, to serve one another as God's stewards of His grace. So if we've been given a gift, that's a grace from God. And in light of that grace, give it freely to other people. We see this also in Paul's writings, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, when Paul says, "...and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone..." especially to those who are of the household of faith. So Paul says, be good and serve and do good to all people. That's universal. That's a great timeless principle. But he also adds the qualifier at the end, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so if we've been given a gift, that's by the grace of God, and we should not grow weary in serving our body, our local church, whatever that looks like. If we're serving, if we're just simply using our gifts in terms of discernment or wisdom, or generosity, or building up, or even the gifts of challenging other people and hopefully promoting uh, a greater sense of obedience to Christ, um, teaching, you know, there's so many gifts, and 1 Corinthians 12 talks about a lot of them, Um, the Bible has a lot to say about those different gifts, Um, but in terms of edifying and building up the church, hopefully we can begin to see that our talents really aren't for us primarily. They're for the glory of God first, they're for the edification of the church, Um, And then they're going to be for the engaging of the lost, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, what what other thoughts do you have, Ross, on that idea of using our talents for the local church?
1: Yeah, I mean, as you're talking about edifying the local church, um, you know, really it comes back to, and of course this all ties together, but really the first pillar of honoring God and bringing Him glory 2 um, Corinthians 4 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So in thinking about the, the varied abilities that God has given to each one of us, um, you can see we're in a local church. It would be very possible for one to be absorbed in the idea that they either have a lot Of abilities that they want to show and present in the church or that they don't have any and so they don't want to show Um, either way that really puts the emphasis on you and who you are in the church and the desire to be seen to be known uh, to be relied upon when what we're called to do is to be jars of broken jars of, of clay that really allow the glory of Christ to radiate out from us, and so in looking for ways that we can use the gifts that He's given us, um, we ought to be thinking in terms of how does this. Disp- the gospel the good news of Christ how does this display his goodness his greatness his beauty how much I enjoy and delight in him and not so much how do I show people how awesome I am um, you know I was trying to think through reasons that people might struggle with this or or areas that it might be hard and you know one thing that's kind of interesting is the word talent itself uh, if you get back to the you know, the word root and the Greek and all that. Talent doesn't mean abilities or, or aptitude. It, it was actually a measure of weight um, or yeah. monetary value. And what happened was Jesus in Matthew 25 does this parable of the talents where uh, he talked about this master who goes out and he's, he's got all these all this monetary value and he, he doesn't want to sit idle while he's gone. And so he entrusts it to these servants to um, basically put to work and, and invest and, and, you know, he, he entrusts to one more and, and to the next one a little bit less and, and, and to the last one just entrusts one talent. Um, and it talks about how this last one, um, didn't put that talent to work. Instead, he buried it in the ground mm. so that, um, he didn't have to worry about something going wrong with it or it being lost. Um, if you're familiar with this parable, you'll know he comes back, and he's he's very upset with that third servant uh, for taking no <laughs> risks or action with yeah. with that talent, um, and and the servant responds, well, I I knew that you were you know hard, I, I, you know basically he just didn't trust his master, yeah. and and so he felt like. You know, all I can do is just bury this thing um, and, and not worry about it and, and just have it when he gets back. That third servant, the, stru- the challenge there was he was absorbed in and of his self. I think that he felt that I only got one talent and my, you know, my, my other, this other servant got three or, or a dozen or whatever. Yeah. The reality is, a talent back then was like six thousand days' wages. It was abundant.
0: Yeah. It was
1: a huge amount of of talent or or monetary value to be entrusted with, yeah. and there was a lot he could have done. And so, over the next kind of 14 centuries, you know, this this parable was in God's word, and in Britain, um, the word talent became so associated with. Um, God-given abilities and aptitudes that need to be stewarded for him, um, that really the word talent kind of took on this meaning of of kind of his his, the gifting that he's given us in terms of abilities and aptitudes. And that's why, particularly in the church, uh, when we say the word talent, your mind synonymously thinks of gifts and and aptitudes and and, um, abilities.
0: Man, that's good. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, One word that you mentioned while you were talking about that really stood out to me, and that was the word idle, not I-D-O-L, but I-D-L-E, like idle or neutral or inactive. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a great, honest, just kind of practical application for me, for you, for anyone listening. Um, If you have an ability and a spiritual gift that God has entrusted to you, there is... I mean, entrusted is not like, hey, you have the option... Uh, do with it whatever you feel like, if you feel like it at all. No, there's a responsibility. There's a, there, I would even say there's a command or an instruction, maybe the better word is an imperative, <laughs> that we should be using what we're given and not sitting idle with it. Um, just like in the story, of Matthew 25, the guy buried it, did nothing with it, and Jesus was really mad about that. So, in the same way, if we have gifts and abilities and talents, um, are you active with those? Are you doing something with those that, again, brings honor and glory to God and edifies the local church in some capacity. So for those listening, I just want to challenge you. Are you idle or are you active? Reflect on that today. Think and pray and ask the Lord to teach you and show you, if you are idle, what could you do to begin moving to a place of active engagement, with that talent and with that ability in a way that honors the Lord and brings some edification and some encouragement to your local body of believers. I think that fits as well with what we see in Ephesians chapter 4 when the Apostle Paul says that that Jesus has actually given leadership gifts to pastoral leaders and shepherds, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, but Jesus says he gave those gifts to those leaders in order that they would equip the church for the work of ministry. And so even if I, as a pastor, I have a gift, which I believe I do, to equip the church, my job is not to hoard my gift and to say, look how great I am and look at all my knowledge or look at all this or watch me. It's to say, how can I use what I'm good at to equip other people in my congregation to be more obedient followers of Jesus who are being transformed by Jesus and then joining Jesus in his mission to to engage the lost, and that'll get into our, our next topic here in just a second. So I think that's a, a great distinction. Are we idle or are we active? And if you're in a local church, which hopefully you are, and if you're not a part of a local church as a Christian, I'd encourage you to find a local church. Be engaged, be active, find a place to serve and be involved, and hopefully you'll have leaders there that are seeking to equip you in your gift, to equip, empower, and encourage you to use that. And lastly, that kind of leads into our last pillar uh, of these three things: is to then engage the lost. And and so we see this reality in Scripture that, that Jesus invested his life in twelve guys. His plan A was pouring himself into men, discipling them, and then teaching them to reproduce that same process in the lives of other people, taking the gospel to the nations, making disciples of all nations. And so. We also have this reality that while we are part of the church, we are also in a broken world that needs the hope of Christ and the hope of the gospel, and so I think in the same way, we have been entrusted with the gospel, which that's, a, that's another episode coming in the future, but as we engage the lost, uh, we have to use what we're good at and use our talents and use our abilities and try to connect that to other people who don't know Jesus, and so I like to say it like this, that do what you like to do, but try to do that with lost people. So if you have a hobby of gardening, uh, find a way to connect that with your neighbors and share the, the overflow, the abundance maybe of your garden with other people in your neighborhood uh, that don't know Jesus. Take them a bag of tomatoes or some cucumbers or whatever. Or if you love sports, try to find a way to connect that with people who don't know Jesus. Maybe join a basketball league that's not a church league and join a secular one or whatever. I mean, just little things like that. Think of how can you connect what you like to do but connect it with those who don't know Christ and for the purpose of being intentional there to connect your life to a lost person's life with the hope of sharing the gospel and letting them see your life, letting them see your hope. Um, and so let's let's chat about that for a little bit, Ross. What, what thoughts do you have on engaging the lost with our talents and with our abilities?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very similar to the first two pillars. If I'm not going to go out and share what the Lord has given me— um, you know, with the people around me in the community, if I'm not going to share his love and what he did on the cross, the good news of what he did on the cross with them, it's likely because I am afraid that I will be rejected, that mm. um, they will reject me, and that won't feel good for me. And so I'm going to keep it buried, if you yeah. will. I don't want that to shine through because I am afraid of rejection. Um I'm reminded of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So you can kind of contrast that with the third servant who did not trust his master yeah. um, to respond to you know, his use of that talent well. Instead, um, he buried it. Um, as I'm reading uh, Ephesians 1 right now, it's made very clear to me that the Lord... Has taken responsibility and is sovereign over the calling of his sheep, and it's not on me to bring people to a point of acceptance uh, of him. It's not on my great yeah. arguments or articulation. He's already done that work. He did it. He did it at the beginning of time. He knew who he would uh, call. He's just calling me to walk in obedience in that harvest, so that I can see His goodness, that I can show His goodness to the lost, Um, and I just need to be a trusting, uh, a servant to go out and do that, and not be so, or not be overwhelmed with what could potentially happen to me or my image. So Mm -hmm. um, I do think that um, all these pillars kind of tie in together, both in terms of why we ought to do them, what what should inspire and empower us to do them versus what sorts of things could get in our way or, or hinder us.
0: Yeah, Well, that's good. I also thought of uh, Ephesians 2.10, which says, For we are His workmanship. Some translations put the word masterpiece right there. For we are His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so there's this idea that as we've been saved, we're saved by grace, but we're saved for works, in terms of we're saving for the the things that God's prepared for us, and part of that is engaging in this lost world. And I also like a quote by C.S. Lewis, where he talks about this idea that Christians should be focused on uh, eternity and the reality of eternity, and that reality, knowing that eternity is real and it's going to happen at some point, that should influence a, a sense of urgency in how we live on this earth. So C.S. Lewis once said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most about the next. And it is since uh, Christians have largely ceased to think about eternity that they have actually become so ineffective on the earth. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we think about eternity, the reality that in any moment, you and I in the world that we know could be over, we don't know when the end is coming. Um, And we don't know when any of us, when our time stamp is up either. And so in light of that reality, how can I make the the best investment like the Matthew 25? How do I invest my time and my talent and my life and what I'm good at? How can I take what I love to do, what God's given me to do, how can I make the best return on that and invest it in lost people and in the relationships I have with them with the hope that, like you said, If God is calling them, that I maybe would get to be a part of planting a seed or watering a seed for the gospel's sake, and maybe God would save them, um, not because of my work, but because of his sovereign election before the creation of the world, but I get to be a part of that in some cases. And so um, I think that's another relevant application for us today is uh, how often do you think about the reality of eternity with your lost neighbor? Do you even know your neighbor's name? Uh, what about some of the people in your own family? Have you ever shared the gospel with them? If you've got children, if you, you've got children or grandchildren, uh, do they know Jesus? And are you invent, intentionally about pouring into them and sharing your, ste- your testimony and your, your faith journey with Christ um, and people that you work with? Um, most people work with people who don't know Jesus. And so is there a sense of urgency there, not urgent to save them? You can't do that. You don't have that kind of power. But an urgency to engage them engage them, build a relationship with them for the purpose of sharing the gospel and pointing them to Christ, pointing them to His Word, and being an ambassador, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, that we're ambassadors and that God is actually making His appeal to the lost world through us, that Mm -hmm. passage says. How incredible is that, that He's going to make an appeal to the lost world through broken jars of clay like me and you uh, and you listening? It's not about us. God uses a broken jar of clay to radiate his glory to a broken world. And again, if we can radiate the glory of Christ and people look at our life and see Jesus, well, then Jesus gets the glory for that. It's not about the vessel. It's not about a broken jar of clay. It's about what is inside of that vessel that really is worth living and dying for, and that's Jesus. Um, And so I think as we begin to kind of wrap this up, um, I think... There's a lot of applications that we could come and talk about this about, but if you're listening, I just want to encourage you, you know, what is God speaking to you today as you think about your talents and your abilities, your passions? Are you using those in a way that really is all about the interests of Christ, um, or is it all about you? Um, Or are you actually engaged and active with those gifts, or are you sitting on the sidelines, and do you need to get engaged? Um, And so, yeah, Ross, what do you think as we wrap this up? Any final thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I have a couple questions too um, for us to be thinking about um, while you're listening or, or the two of us. You know, One would be, what do you think of this master who's gone out on this journey and uh, the talents that he's left with you? Um, do you feel that you've been abundantly um, entrusted with um, a great deal of resources with which to steward for him? Uh, or do you feel slighted? that you weren't given um, what you perceive the next person was. And so I would really challenge people to chew on that and and look through God's word um, and pray on that to say, what have I been entrusted with the steward? The second question I'd ask you is, do you believe the master is coming back? Mm, And how do you think he'll respond to how you are investing and stewarding uh, with what he's entrusted you with?
0: Those are great questions. We're going to leave you with that today. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. We hope and pray that um, this conversation about being entrusted with your talents would lead you to a place where you are demonstrating and displaying the gospel more faithfully. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find a wealth of resources including free downloads, videos, book recommendations, sermons, training opportunities, and more at my website, www.DisplayTheGospel.com.